My guest today on the podcast is Ray Novoselsky. Ray Novoselsky was one of my producers on A Murder in Mansfield. He has been a guest on this show previously when he was pre-releasing his podcast after the uprising. And now we are back to talk about season two, a surprise that he has for us that came out of his podcast and the, the case that's uh, that's really bringing headlines right now in the news, which is the Amir Locke case of the no-knock warrant, which we'll get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Maureen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. I did not kill Maureen. I never harmed her at all. The 12-year-old son of accused murderer, Mansfield Dr. John Boyle, finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. Did the jury in this case find the defendant guilty? I confront my incarcerated father in prison. And finally, I'm going to have that moment where I can ask this man, why, Dad? Why did you do this? Everyone knows it's premeditated. What I want to know is why. Carly, I have told you the truth. This is a psychopath. He's believing it while he's saying it. Do you think you're a sociopath? No, no, no. So my guest today is Ray Novoselsky. I am pleased to welcome him back to this program. Thank you, Collier. You know, you were the first one to offer us the chance to promote the podcast before it had come out, before anybody gave a crap, not that anyone does now. But uh, uh, yeah, but well ahead of the NAACP nomination, <laughs> you you, uh, you were the first ones to have us on and, uh, and give us a chance. So appreciate you, man. Thank you. Well, I was going to tease that out, but you, you've you let the cat out of the bag, but that's all good. Um, oh, you were no, teasing, so, weren't you there? Yeah. I was. So, so, Ray, so tell us what has one of the wonderful things that has come out of this out of this production. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Martin Luther King Day. The backstory to this is actually, to me, I like this better. So we, um, we couldn't get any traction to, uh, without a going into too much detail we couldn't get any traction from anybody to help us with the uh the fees for the different awards we wanted to submit this to and the podcast was already six months past right because the last episode dropped in august this came out all last year in 2021 and i fought to i basically just submitted it myself i stole a little of my partner's money i basically borrowed a little bit of uh, from our company submitted it had he found out before we got the nomination it would have been like are you nuts we're never getting an NAACP nomination why did you just waste 400 bucks but instead on MLK day we find out some much needed positive news for this which is that we, we were one of five chosen for outstanding podcast in the news and information podcast section so uh totally so needed that I know everyone says oh awards don't matter whatever whatever uh yeah fine but I, I need them I'm going to tell you something, man. And you and I discussed this off offline the other day. We love what we do and we love the opportunity to tell stories. And it, it is, it's, it's amazing. And, and the difference, you know, for our, for our listeners is, you know, you know, this, this podcast that we're doing that moving past murder is, is a serial podcast and it is, uh, you know, it's a conversational raise is different in the sense that it's a seasonal it is, uh, it is very well orchestrated. It has music, sound effects, interviews. It is moving. It's like listening to a, a visual documentary. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't listened to it, it's called After the Uprising, The Death of Donye Dion Jones. It is on iHeart. Came out last year, and I am talking to my guest, Ray Novoselsky. And if you guys are liking and, and really into, speaking of support, if you're into what we're talking about today, please like, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Call Your Landry. There's my pitch. We're going to get back into it, and you need to check out his podcast too. My guest is Ray Novoselsky. And so, Ray, um, one of the things that we were discussing about being a documentary filmmaker and then segueing into doing podcasting which it just seems like a natural natural progression is you right. it is sort of just like documentary filmmaking a thankless a thankless medium at times especially when you're trying to right. get you know people are like oh you're making another thing oh you're doing a podcast but so when you're able as yourself to get recognized for an award right. like an NAACP image award for the work that you've done and that you worked right. I mean you spent two years doing this documentary as you told us before doing this this podcast yeah uh, just to get that recognition is is incredible I mean how do you feel it is really good uh, 
obviously there's the selfish component where it's like, you know, you know how this is. We're building a career here. The higher profile you can kind of make yourself, the more likely you get to work on the next thing you want to work on and all this stuff. Yes. A game in our industry that people who are in banking or insurance don't really get. <laughs> So there's the, the selfish thing, but they right? Do so, get, but they do get the steady, they do get the steady paycheck. Yeah, they get that steady paycheck. <laughs> and those like three weeks of vacation a year. And, uh, but it, yeah. And then we just travel for work constantly. So you just hope you take a gig yeah. that's in a cool place and get a little downtime. Um, but no, I mean, but honest, I swear though, the real reason we so badly needed this NAACP nomination is because we hit a certain number of listeners. It, it, when it ran during the original, during the summer of 2021. That listenership was within the top 1% of listeners for podcasts at the time, but because there's so many podcasts, that doesn't necessarily, that's not enough. So you got to sure. reach that 1%, but then you got to reach a number within that 1%. I, I heart had told us what the number was that they were hoping we would hit. And we had just hit it, okay? And so there are all these questions about like, Great. We got to tell Danye Jones's story. We got to bring this to X number of people over one summer, but the local press had ignored it. So the people we most wanted it to reach, St. Louis people were not necessarily getting reached. The prosecutor that we had brought like all these actionable next steps to on the case had dragged ass for a year and a half. We're still in talks to have a second meeting with him and so on and so forth. Point is this, the NAACP, can do something that almost no one else can do in this space, which is put their arms around this project and the Danye Jones story and go, we agree this is important. You should listen to this. And that's what I, that's what it did for us. And that's what I hope it does for this case, you know? Yeah, because yeah. there's unfinished business. Big time. And I'd be happy to talk with you real quickly about like what those next steps are. Cause I think we're about to launch a campaign. We got to talk more with Danye's mother and get, make sure we're on the same page and we're not doing anything without her buy-in and all that. But, you know, Which I would love to, to have realize... her on this program. I would love to have her on this program. I was going to try to see if you could, if I could get her with you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but I wasn't sure. I was like, I know you were, you were stressed out about some stuff. So I was like, I don't want to put this extra stuff on his plate, but I'd love to have her on. With okay. You. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll message her immediately, you know, immediately and let her know to consider that. I think she listened to your last she tends to listen to our podcast appearances. I mean, she follows obviously her, you know, the media around her son's story very closely. So I think that's she amazing. Enjoyed the last time. Yeah. That's a very kind invite. There's stuff yeah, even I, just as simple as like, we send her the, send her the link now. The sheet. <laughs> I, I might be able that's hilarious. Cause I'm actually looking at my little text app right now as we're talking and thinking, do I send it to her right now? Um, do it. Can she hop? All right. She says. I will. I love it. I will. Yeah, it's one of those very powerful things where you're able to really, really connect. And, and, and now having the, the weight, it's just like, so I'll give you an example. Like you have the weight of the NAACP image nomination, right? Which will now bring attention to this. I, I just got, got the podcast in, in the New York Post, which when this comes out this Friday, will be a week ago. And then, it, and then earlier this week, it came out on, in, the, in the paper, the actual physical New York Post. And... Mm -hmm. uh, Congrats, dude. Uh, which, which was great. Thank you so much, which was really crazy. But here's the craziest thing. Right before, you know, I was a little late to our, to our Zoom today for the podcast because I was on the line with a client and this number that I didn't recognize from New Jersey hit me up and I was like, let me just take this because I had this sneaking suspicion. Whereas I normally get these random telemarketer calls as everyone does, but I thought, okay, maybe this is a family member. And lo and behold, it was. And they are on my mother's side of the family. They had been trying to contact me and they are doing a genealogy of the entire family and they've wanted to speak to me. And so this guy is, he's a couple of years younger than my mother. He had met my mother probably about 10 times over the years, um, obviously before she was killed and them growing up. Um, and he just was just letting me all this stuff. But he he found me because of the New York post article that came out. So, you know, today is Tuesday, February 8th. When you guys are watching this, it'll be Friday, February 11th. I believe I got my calendar right in my head, the physical paper, which wasn't supposed to come out. I thought we, we, we weren't going to do it. It was just going to be in, in online 
the print version is how he found out about this because his his older cousin or sister or something, she was like in her 80s, she reads the New York Post every day. So she saw it and called him. And it's just, it's incredible. And and then he watched the, the, the our latest episode of the podcast before this, which is the, you know, TikTok, which came out this past Friday, uh, where I had posted something on TikTok like a week before. And my father's side of the family reached out to me, something I didn't even know to give me all this information. It was cra- It's crazy. So it's, it's amazing when you see the work then materialize in the goal that you have, which for me is trying to get my, is trying to get my, solve this mystery of like, who is my family? Cause as you know, I don't know anything about my family because they don't talk to me and they yeah. abandoned me when everything happened. And then you have the flip side of the, uh, with, with you, you're trying to cause call attention to this case. Right. And now with the backing of the NAACP, you, but you are opening up and getting more eyeballs on not only your podcast and you as a cre- creator and a producer and a documentarian, but more importantly, in the greater good, which is for you to, to be able to shed light on this case and, and, and Melissa and the pain that she's gone through and to really, and, and to, to make a change in society as I want to do, I want to help others that have been in my similar circumstance to know yeah. that they're not alone as the paper, as the New York post says, and I want to give that narrative voice to others in other, in, in similar situations. Yeah. You're the same way in that we're all doing this for the greater good and hope that we keep the lights on at the same time. But, yeah, but it's, as soon as it's, it gets it's wonderful confused, when it starts to happen. Well, it, it, sometimes it gets confused too, because in order to, in order to impact the greater good in this case, I got to get a lot of people listening to, to this podcast and we got to get a lot of publicity and promotion essentially what you want is you want a successful podcast so you can keep delving into it right but like i can understand people kind of being like well you just want a successful podcast it's like i do i want that so i can push the things you know the agendas essentially that i have that are important to me um i can't do the one precisely you know exactly it has to be commercial it has to be successful you have to get advertisers you have to get people on it you have to get eyeballs on it but at the same time you know, it, it, it's, it, you're doing that because that feeds the machine of actually making the social impact that you want to have. And we're, and we're so speaking that of that funny story, man, weird coincidence. We had this guy, Mitch Swan is this great publicist out in your neck of the woods. I only hear people talk shit about publicists. Nobody ever says a good thing about a publicist that I know. And, uh, well, all right. The exceptions, Barbara Koppel, I'll just say, so she doesn't get mad at me, but, the, <laughs> but, uh, she's not going to listen to this. No. <laughs> But uh, my, my friend recommended who was involved with a very similar, like uh, it's another kind of Black Lives Matter related documentary called Finding Kendrick Johnson. And he had nothing but good things to say about how this guy Mitch understood how to promote and publicize that movie. So I begged Mitch, make yourself available in January, February timeframe to promote our podcast. And Mitch says, I like what you're doing here. I can set aside the time, but I can't promote a six month old podcast. It's like, I need something new to have happened with this. And I was like, have some faith, man. Hold the time aside. Something new will have happened. What happened second week of January? We get a call. We've been nominated for the NAACP Image Award. I'm like, I'm like, Mitch, you got something to promote now, buddy. Let's get going. What she's doing now. So That's awesome. Yeah, Fantastic. Good stuff. But dude, I want to, I want to, let's not bury... I feel like that you buried that a little bit, like New York Post. How much work did it take for you to just get you and your show and your story into the New York Post? That's freaking amazing. So hard. It was a lot of work. I had no publicist. I was my publicist. And mm-hmm. I did it because I wanted to have a producer come on to the show. I mean, the, the real, the truth is, is that I, I have this great producer and she's like, and, and rightfully so, would like to get paid for her efforts. And I'm like, look, I can't, give you any money. I don't have any money, but what I do yet, but what I do have is because I need help building the show to a successful level. Right. I wanted to bring her in, but I was like, I want to show you that I will do whatever it takes to make Mm. this a success. And I, I got that article. And, you know, I had been contacted by this wonderful writer named Rebecca Reisner, who's writing a book on forensic files. She does Mm. the forensic files now blog and you know, as you know, when we were pitching a murder in Mansfield back when it was called Aftermath, mm-hmm. we, you know, used the Forensic Files episode success because it was like a top 10 out of 450 episodes in 11 seasons or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was 
that's the, the one of the top episodes in that series. And there were a lot of eyeballs on it. People still talk about it. And then when they got, you know, bought up by, they, you know, they had this massive resurgence during the pandemic. So anyway, mm. she's writing this book, which is comes out on Prometheus books at the end of this year, third, third or fourth. Yeah. Third quarter this year, 2022. But she, um, you know, I noticed that she had a New York Post address when she emailed me. And I was like, oh, I was like, could you guys do an episode on the, you know, do a, a piece on it? And they said, well, oh, um, she's like, well, I'll pitch it to my editors. Sure. You know, you were a good sport with me. I'll. And then they were like, oh, we don't know. You know, we want to do more about the murder and this, that and the other. And then they then they sort of reversed course the end of last week and said, we will make this all about the podcast. Which was amazing because it's like, what is he doing now? Okay, yes, he made the documentary. This is what he's doing right now. Awesome. And it was really amazing to have them uh, just embrace me like that. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And then the other thing that's happening now is like, I, I get I get this nomination. It doesn't happen to me a lot. I would love to go to this awards ceremony, meet all the other movers and shakers out there. And uh, they made it so only the presenters are on the actual stage. No audience uh, for COVID and the people who are nominated can all go to some location where we were all going to just watch a stream on a big screen, which is like, okay, I still get to meet everybody. Might even be more intimate than the award show, but it's like, I, you're making the, this doesn't make sense in co like COVID is, some of our COVID rules are stupid face is kind of what you're doing. You can't, right? you can't be in the theater <laughs> gathered, but you could be in another space gathered. Exactly. I don't know, man. I mean, but it's just the nominees. I guess they figure they didn't want to see the nominees and no audience. Like they thought it, it would just be like crickets. I don't know. I'm not sure what the thinking was there, but I'm trying to decide if it's worth flying out to LA to rub elbows with the other nominees at essentially a like live screening. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anyway, I'm just trying to decide if I want to fly in knowing that I may have lost by then, hopefully not, and then sit at a, at a live screening six foot from everyone else. You know what I mean? It's like, is that worth it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Barbara Koppel says it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. You got to take the wins in life and you should definitely fly out. She says to me, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, that's what they told me about going to Amsterdam with the film. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to stay for a couple of weeks if I fly over there. And then they were like, do that. And that was like the best advice. They gave me a blast. Oh, yeah. Why are you going to regret going? I mean, life is too short. We work too hard on these projects. If you get, happen to get some small amount of like celebration, celebrate, dance to exactly, the exactly because you ain't doing it for the money. That's for sure. You're just it's it's the it's the ancillary and and the the social currency and the yeah the 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 yeah the just yeah the 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 benefits of that are extraordinary. I think. I feel myself and I think you would agree. Um, all right, man. Well, this is exciting. I'm so excited for you. I hope I get to actually see you in person, which means that you'll probably have won, yeah. which would be fantastic. Um, That's true. But uh, so I, you know, again, here we are, it is black history month and we are uh, well, I, well now we're about a week into it and um but it wasn't even a week into it where we have a, yet another scenario in our wonderful state of missouri where we have another no-knock warrant being approved by a judge and a officers coming in to serve this no-knock warrant and they kill um amir Locke, who and again as the this is one of the, the issues that I want to discuss with you, which I think is is really at the heart of this. One of the one of the hearts of this problem is, again, they don't release the details. He had a gun. The officers came in. They fired on him. So then they mm -hmm. sort of left leave you to assume, OK, well, he was probably a person with a criminal record. He had an illegal firearm. If he was a felon, he's not supposed to have firearms. In fact, when I was talking about this last night with someone, that was what they had assumed Immediately. because oh, of what the media because of the lack of information but mm -hmm. as they have cleared up today because of the relentlessness of the protesters and of the people that have come forward and said here we are again <laughs> he was he was licensed to have the firearm and a concealed carry permit he did not have a criminal record he had the firearm because he was a delivery driver who as we all know, crime has been elevating around the country and use it for personal protection. 
when they came in for the no-knock warrants, they, they, they kicked his, I guess he was sleeping on the couch or something, and they had kicked the couch, which woke him up, or maybe he was in the bedroom, but they, something, he had woken up and had the fire, grabbed the firearm because he slept with it because it's a dangerous place, and they shot him. Not, yeah. and there you go. If they had knocked police, bah, 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 the outcome might've been different. And here we are again, another, another human being has, has been killed, uh, tragically. And it's not to say that law enforcement enforcement didn't think they were doing their job, but, yeah. and they weren't protecting themselves because they, I'm sure the officers, obviously, if somebody has a gun, I, it's a very sticky situation, but again, they just arrested the actual real suspect today in the murder that they were serving. And this poor guy, 20, I believe he was 24 years old. Amir Locke is now dead. And he was, and, and as the, you know, as these protesters are saying, as I'm watching them on Facebook and everything, they're saying, you told us to do this and we did it. Get a legal firearm. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't. And this is a guy. He had a job. He had this. He followed all the rules. And it's yeah. just. It's. Actually, so I saw that video. A friend of mine sent it to me within within hours. He was like, if, he was like, this hasn't been released yet. If this gets out, like things are going to get crazy here in Minneapolis, kind of stuff. And um, I don't know how anyone would argue for like no knock warrants is a good idea. You know, a lot of this stuff, I feel like, look, I, and by the way, let me just preface this. I can speak with expertise on one case, Donye sure. Dion Jones, right? I spent yes. two and a half years with that. I, I am not an expert, although I'm an advocate, but I'm not an expert in the Black Lives Matter arena. I, you know, I cannot speak. I, I have no reason to be speaking on the subject other than I care. I follow it. And I've been to some degree a part of that movement. Um, but that said, I just don't understand. I don't understand. The cops are going to operate within they're going to operate within the boundaries that that are set by them by other reasonable people you know people don't set their own boundaries for their own professions i think about this a lot like if there was not a limit of let's say a 12-hour day before you go into overtime on a production sure yeah right then i you know if, if you were dping with me i'd just be pushing you and pushing you until you broke and it would be standard I'd have no choice because to be competitive with the other productions, I would have to do it. But there are rules. And because I know there are rules, I keep it within, you know what I mean? Like you keep, and 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 that's what I think needs to change here. I mean, these cops, they're doing their job. They go in, no-knocks warrants are allowed and they ended up in this situation. It's not good for anybody. Get rid of no-knocks It's no not good for warrants. anybody. It's not good for anybody because, it, and, and, and that's that that's the thing that I want to I wanna harp on right. or, or I want to really, it, it's not just about Amir it's or the victim. It's also about the police now being put into this position where they're like, what the fuck? Like, right. we just murdered somebody. Right. I don't think that it's their intent to go in. And, and I know a lot of people want to raise flags. And there, of course, are bad cops. There are bad people. There are criminals. There are bad cops. It's, that is a fact of life. There are good and bad people. But they don't go in with the intent of shooting an innocent person, especially a law. Cops really like the fact that he most I would say most officers of the law would go. This is a good if they saw him and they knew that he had a firearm and he had it registered and he had gone for his concealed carry and he was being a responsible citizen, which is what we all want everyone to do that has a firearm is be a responsible citizen, know how to use it and not he would have been he would have been lauded by by the law enforcement yeah now we have a situation where officers are caught people are going to be fired and again we go back to the same thing where the the they control the narrative with the media of uh, they trickle out the information or it's like oh he had a gun not he had a legal gun and not that he was not a convicted felon because they leave it by leaving out the details, they allow you to fill them in. And nowadays, because things spread like wildfire on social media, you can get outraged instantaneously by things and they know how to control the narrative with this. It's like, you have to put these things out to be like, you want to, you know, you want to honor the dead. First of all, you don't want to make this guy out to be somebody he's not because he wasn't, <laughs> you know, but also you want to avoid this. But again, these, these no knock warrants are not good for 
anybody and it's 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 but just, here's the it's but here's thing. the problem though right the the chink in the armor of what i just said because what i said is, is very neutral here's where i'll get controversial why doesn't these kinds of things change right why why do no-knock warrants stay in place when activists push really hard about them why didn't the justice and policing act pass after george floyd when there was so much pressure there right the police unions so they can't hide behind well there's just a few captains that are like keeping this where you know where where it is and the, and the, the workforce feels very differently about this because the workforce voices their opinion through their unions uh there is a fundamental issue here um i know and just to give you a little more on that controversial matter i mean in the, uh, one of our episodes, I think it's episode four or five, as we're investigating St. Louis County, this uh, this great organization called the Plainview Project decides, you know what, we don't, if we want to examine this issue of how racist are or aren't most police forces, let's look at seven of, uh, uh, you know, seven major police forces in the country, and we'll just look at their social media. How many questionable things do we find that give us insights into, into that? And they, and they found a lot. Uh, in, St. Louis uh, in particular, they, I mean, they didn't find any more than anywhere else in the country, but they found a number of people who are in high levels of the police who were posting, you know, things like the N-word in code and, and, and it's just some really jaw-dropping stuff. Uh, very bold and audacious. And I bring it up because when the Plainview Project came out with their report about this, rather than mea culpa and say it's a few bad apples, the response of the St. Louis County Police was to, to um, was to put up uh, social media, the, the Punisher logo. The Punisher is an outlaw. This has become, you should Google this Punisher logo because it's been very popular among a lot of police. And what it says to me very clearly is this is, I am the law, you know, kind of thing. It's 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 very Judge Dredd. It's very, uh, I'm the courts, I'm the whatever. And, and it's a vigilante symbol. And I just think something has gone wrong with the politicization of the country. People are losing their freaking minds on all, all sides. And people are like doubling down on their badge ideas, <laughs> you know? So if you're on one side, you're gonna double down on your terrible lefty idea. And if you're on the other side, you're gonna double down on your terrible conservative idea. But I mean, I don't want my, I don't want any cop that's serving any neighborhood anywhere near anyone that I love with a Punisher symbol, you know, up in protest to having some of the other officers get exposed on their, you know, ill-advised social media. It lets you into the mindset that some, I think, is in control of a lot of police forces and the police unions and is the reason why we don't see reform. It's one man's opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's a hot button topic for sure. <laughs> I told um, somebody from the Black Police Union of St. Louis, I said to myself, you know, I, I'm really interested in doing something on police unions because I think it's the number one reason we don't see reform. And she said to me, and she meant it, she kind of laughed and went, you're going to get a hit taken out on you. And, uh, and I mean, I'm not, I don't know if she meant it quite literally, but she might have. <laughs> well, you never know. It's, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll lighten the mood here, but I'll, I'll continue the same sort of narrative. It was last week, a NFL head coach in, in Miami, uh, filed a lawsuit against the, the NFL and the owners, right? Um, because uh, alleging racist practices by the NFL. And one of the things that is very commonly known in, in, in the sports industry, especially in, in football is that, uh, like black coaches represent like 3% of the coaches oh. that are there. Right. Um, well, one of the things that really got this talking point, which I found very interesting is that you, you go, okay, well, these players, the, these coaches have not been hired, but who has not put in their, put their weight who represents the majority of play uh, of people of color in the national football league, the NFL players association, the union didn't come and say, you know what you guys need to revamp your hiring practices. We are made up of, let's say 80% of, of people of color in this industry and in this sport. And we want to see you that accounts. We, we want to see you get from 3% to 10 you know, we want to see you give more opportunities. Now we want the best person to get the job, but they don't do that. They don't yeah. take those risks. And that is what has infuriated a lot of people and agree or disagree with Brian Flores and some of these other people who have come forward. It is interesting that these there's, you know, unions are very social constructs 
and designed to protect the common person, right? And they don't. <laughs> they, at the end of the oh, day, are about money. And what it's is, super interesting what is because the other, the other project I've been, well, Perhaps. I mean, is there are things, there are definitely pluses and minuses, but the, um, sure. I was another project I spent, oh, so this is, hey, Melissa, thanks for, she said she's got a few minutes. Hi, so Melissa. Well, just thank, thank you for the, <laughs> thank you for coming in and shutting Collier up. <laughs> Melissa, you may it. remember that just before the podcast started to drop in June, Collier uh, was the first one to have anyone on to talk about the podcast. And, uh, when he heard about the NAACP nod, he, he, he was happy to have us back on. I'd well, like to welcome to the program, this is Melissa McKinnis, who is the mother of uh, Donye, who we were speaking about, who is uh, a very large part of Ray's um, podcast after the uprising. And um, so, Melissa, thank you so, so much for joining us. How, um, oh, obviously... Yeah, it's a real honor. It's been a few months since the last episode in August. Um, how are you feeling about everything? Um, it, it gets frustrating. Um, just waiting for something to get kicked off, you know. So um, I've just been staying busy. I've started working and just trying to stay busy and keep my mind, you know, occupied and um, and praying at the same time, you know. Um, just realizing it's it's just now really hit me like a few months ago, you know, that um, you know my son is gone, he's no longer coming back, and everything. So I've I've went into this this little stage of, I wouldn't say depression, it's just a little sadness, you know? So I've decided to work, um, you know, until maybe um, something, I'm praying that something comes up where somebody's held accountable for something, you know? But yeah. Yeah, I mean, Look, I don't think there's a person listening to this program or that has listened to After the Uprising that does, that cannot empathize with your, with a grieving mother looking for justice for her son. And I really commend you on your strength, and 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 it just I really admire you for 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 that and for just continuing to keep the faith that that justice will be served and that you will be able to to move on and this program is called moving past murder and it's it's you know your strength is really to be something to be uh celebrated and admired and um so thank you for that um you know i think ray and and duffy you know they they came at a at a time where i was at my I, i wouldn't say my lowest but i was at a point where i was just like ready to scream and i was like i wanted someone to hear my voice and then they came and kicked the door down, you know, so I appreciate them as well. Yeah. And, and so I just want to, I, I know your time is limited. And again, thank you for joining us. So one of the things that I was just discussing is, you know, we are in black history month and now, you know, we have this situation with Amir Locke and we were discussing the narrative you know, with these no-knock warrants and just this another senseless killing. And, and, you know, one of the things that really struck a chord with me is, you know, this is somebody who did it right. Somebody who had a legal firearm, legal habit, no, no, no criminal record, has a job, you know, has it for his own personal protection. This no-knock warrant comes in and now a, a young man, I believe he was 24 years old, is, is dead. And, a, and we have a family and a, yet another mother grieving and angry and outrage and how can this happen? And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreak. It's heartbreaking. If yeah, you could say anything all... to, to, to this, to this mother and to, to, to the people who are trying to make sense of this, what would you say? Um, I haven't heard of anything. I haven't heard the story at all yet, but just listening, just hearing what you just said, I, um, 
I sympathize with them and I, I, I'll pray, you know, that they have strength to fight when no one else is um, available to fight with them. But I would tell her to um, don't give up, no matter if it's just her standing alone. Um, she's her son's voice and will always be. And her strength is what he's dependent on, you know. That's really, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I get emotional just hearing that from you. Um uh, just as another grieving mother, you know, it's, um, wow. That's yeah. I, I'm just hearing about it. So, you know, every time I hear about, you know, another one, um, it, you know, it hits home again. It's like another mother's crying another mother's losing sleep. Another mother's missing her child another life lost, you know? So, um, yeah, just, I know like the beginning stage is just like so many different emotions. And then, um, the, the, the stage where you realize that your child is no longer coming home or, gonna give you a call or, or anything that part it it hits so horribly you know and and this is it has no expiration date on when to stop missing you know we're, we're supposed to stop just missing our children that never happens so um i would have my phone on or my messenger available if any mother would just need to just vent, just cry. You know, we can cry together sometimes, you know. Um, yeah. It, it's sad. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, you know, you, you know, you said you're not familiar with the case. You're just becoming familiar with it as I'm telling you. But again, it's it, it, the, real unfortunate thing about this is it's just it's a it's, it's a it's a carbon copy <laughs> it's the same yeah. story <laughs> the mm -hmm. situation is different but it's still the same <laughs> and that's yeah the thing is is when do we get to a point when that's not the case yeah and I, it's I, melissa i, I kind of told you by text but collier um if i may collier uh, is, no please uh, Mother was murdered by his, his prominent father in Ohio when he was 12. Um, oh, wow. And when I met him, he'd been on a long journey to find his voice to figure out <clears throat> what's unique about the trauma that's particularly associated with acts of violence, with crimes, you know, in a way that maybe other kinds of trauma, you might be able to face them and, and, and work on them, but you kind of like mm -hmm. avoid doing that when it's something so painful or or ugly as like a murder yeah. or violence. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, um, to lose anyone to um, violence is, um, it, it feels almost inhumane, you know, it's nothing normal about it, you know, so um, it, it comes with anger. Um, it comes with sadness. It comes with disbelief, you know, um, and and then it, it hits. After all of that, then it finally hits, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like it. If if I can just snap my finger, it would not exist, you know. But sadly, it does, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Melissa. Um... Obviously, with this NAACP Image Award nomination, what are you, what are you hoping that that comes out of this? Because one of the things Ray and I were discussing is is with having such a prestigious nom even just a nomination, it brings more eyes to your situation, your family's situation, Danye's situation. Um, what are you hoping that comes out of this for you? 
in this next phase? Um, recognition for um, a case of uh, another son gone and lack of investigation. So accountability. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, um, like I was telling Ray, it feels, it just feels like we say black lives do matter, but it, it's taking so long just for other people to realize it. You know, the people that, that should realize it, the investigators and, and detectives and the people that really are put in place um, to recognize us. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see some accountability for the lack of investigation. You know, one of the things that, and this is, I can relate to you in, in my own way, because when my mother went missing, I heard, I heard the sounds the night before it was on New Year's Eve, 1989. The next morning I woke up my father, I said, where is my mother? My father says, mommy went on a little vacation. And then he proceeds to tell me how I, we, we are not going to call the cops, the FBI, but, but, but I, of course, as soon as my father left the house, called my mother's best friends and said, you know, um, you need to call the police. She's gone. This is what I heard. I, I believe she's dead. And the police came to my house and because my father was a doctor and yeah. they, they said, they treated it as a missing persons case. It was literally filed as, okay, they got into a fight. She left the house. She, she didn't want anything to do with him. He was womanizer. They were getting a divorce, blah, blah, blah. We're putting out a missing persons case. It wasn't until one detective got a hold of this and said, this is interesting. A doctor, cause it was new year's new year's. And the, you know, obviously they weren't that active. And he came to the house and I pulled him aside and I said, my mother did not just leave me. My mother's dead. Right. Yeah. And it was, and it wasn't until this one investigator and he had his, even his job threatened where they, where they said, you know, you're taking his captain said, you're taking on a doctor. Like, you don't do that. And he's like, but this kid, <laughs> this kid knows something. And I believe this kid. And I found a, a picture of a house and, and a picture of his girlfriend sitting in front of this fireplace rocked, wrapped in plastic. And I told Dr. Phil this when I was on the show that's what I told investigators. And that's when they found this house it's in another state where my mother's body was buried underneath the basement floor. This was 25 days later. And it's, it's almost like, you know, even though our situations are different, everything that I've done in my life that gives me to this point right here is I did for my mother, as you do everything mm -hmm. you do for your son. I do the exact thing. Mm -hmm. like the reason I've done every reason I moved to Los Angeles became a filmmaker is to honor my mother and to not let her die in vain. And you're on that same thing. And you have Ray, somebody as wonderful as Ray to help elevate that. And hopefully this award elevates these things. So I understand the fire yeah. in the belly more than anyone, even though our situations mm -hmm. are different because it's, it, you, you don't want them to die in vain and you want their story to be heard mm -hmm. and you want there to be that accountability. And mm -hmm. And you need to do this, this podcast is called moving past murder and you need, and you, but at the end of the day, you ultimately want to, to have that moment where you can finally take a breath and say, mm -hmm. okay, he's not coming back, but I'm going to be able to, to handle this and honor him. And that's, I think the thing that I always tell viewers. And I think that I hear from you is that you're looking for that point. And I just, I hope, and I pray that you get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel them all the time. I feel them. I mostly feel them in my, my heart and in my stomach, you know? Um, and um, when I hear his name, I hear his voice, you know, and then I, I see his body, you know, and, um, it angers me, you know, every time it angers me. Um, that was my baby. That was my child. No matter how much of an adult he was, he was my child. He was my baby, you know? So, um, 
I that's what I just I, I look forward to um, any event that you know we this award is granted and you know it's won and nothing special just an acknowledgement that there's a, a son that needs some his mom needs some answers you know um and that's it i don't ask for much um, <laughs> just being yeah, a mom yeah, you know it. yeah those are really powerful words thank you for sharing thank you for having me <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I just, you know, I, you know, and I know you have to go and it's, <laughs> you have to deal yeah. with life and uh, the other part of life that we all have to deal with, right? Um, yeah. I just, I just pray, you know, pray for you and your family and, and I will continue to do so and, and that you guys get what you, you know, what you need. And I'm and, praying for you also. I'm praying for you God. also because, yeah, <laughs> it's rough. I know it's rough. It is. Yeah. But we all get, we're, we're going to get through it. You're going to get through it and yeah. you're, you know, and, and being able to do something, especially with this guy here <laughs> is, is the first step in a, in a, in a, in a, in a journey that's, that's, you know, greater, obviously, you know, as an activist, it's greater than yourself and it's greater than Donye and it's greater than one case. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a revolution and it's something, and it's, and it's, it's a change. And, you know, for me, the impact that I have when, when people say, okay, I've seen your situation and I thought I couldn't make it through Then I found you and I saw the podcast or I saw the film and I, I, I can't even imagine. I go, my life, I can get, if you can get through your, your shit, I can too. And, and I, and I feel the same thing for you. If this mother can do this and she can get through this and she can, can find a way to move on that's what it's all about because that's the strength that you show. And that's truly what honors yourself, but most importantly, your son and his legacy. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. But yeah. Thank you guys. I have to get ready to go. I know. I don't want to I hold you up. Thank you so much. Yeah. 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 I know. I know it's to get a shift gears I, again. Thank you so much for joining the program. It was such an honor to speak to you and I, and I hope to do so again and, and find out the next stage of everything. Thank you. <sighs> All right. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay. Keep your head up. <laughs> you too. You too. Talk to All you later. Bye. So the documentarian in me wants to uh, let you leave your audience in this moment without ruining it. Uh, but I, 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 I hope this doesn't ruin it, but I'd like to take that emotion and push in a direction, which is what you did for Melissa just now was very nice connecting with her, letting her know that you've experienced you know, similar and that she's going to be okay. And a lot of people react that way. But what would really help Melissa and her family, they're not vague next steps. They're very concrete next steps that we're asking Prosecutor Wesley Bell to do for St. Louis County or Biden's Department of Justice Civil Rights Division to do. And we're asking the media and the people listening to this to help push those entities to do the right thing. And here they are, real, real fast. Swap Donye's uncle and stepfather for DNA, so we can just confirm or eliminate them as the sources of the DNA on the bed sheet. It's so freaking simple. And if they're eliminated, then you go, oh, well then who the hell else would have touched that sheet? <clears throat> and how about you, you search the ethnic origins, just like an ancestry kit <clears throat> for, of those DNA swabs that were previously done to see if the origins are of African descent or European descent. If they're of European descent, we might have a murder on our hands. We're asking <clears throat> the digital forensics work to determine who was accessing Donye's accounts remotely in the last days he was alive and where and maybe through that through some sort of uh, digital forensics can find the missing iPad that we think 
was or maybe still is in the possession of whoever may have done this to him if something was done. Subpoena Apple, Wesley Bell, so we can get into Donnie's iPhone and see if it was carrying if he was carrying it around in the seven hours of missing time on his last night alive. Can we see who he met with? Might that be a clue to how he ended up dead at 4.30 in the morning in his backyard? I think so. Go talk to Marcel Foster. We couldn't use his last name at the time of the podcast, but I, you can because this man, since we reported on him as a person of interest in Donye's death, he had taken shots at both Donye's best friend and brother only weeks before Donye's death. We told that information to Wesley Bell in August of 2020. Nothing was done about it. And in January of 2021, Marcel Foster shot a man named Larico Martin over a disagreement about a girl outside a club and, and as of last week was convicted of murder. I don't know if he's the killer. I don't know if there is a killer, but a conversation is warranted. And lastly, we've identified enough about County PD, St. Louis County PD and the lead detective Tim Anderer and his wife, Amy Anderer, who trains new cadets. We, I'm gonna spare your audience the, the list, but it's astonishing. And anyone who looks at that list should want to see some level of a look into accountability regarding if it's appropriate for that detective to continue to serve the black community in St. Louis County. Thanks for hearing me out on that. That's gonna be the list I think we're gonna to try to create into a meme. And I'm gonna work with Melissa to see if we can't get this shared out into the world because these are real concrete things that could help solve this for her and her family and help the community out there. And it pisses me off. <laughs> the media and the authorities will not do anything about it when we've gathered it ourselves and handed it to them on a silver platter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Hope I didn't step on the emotional. <laughs> <You> <laughs> no, know? because you were emotional in, in your delivery. Emotion was spot on, man. And, and you know, but on that note, um, my guest today is Ray Novoselsky. Ray is the co-creator of After the Uprising, the murder of Donye Dion Jones. Ray, thank you so much for coming back to the program. I cannot wait to see you in Los Angeles because that means you're going to have some hardware to show me. Right. And um, again, thank you to Melissa McInnes, Donye's mother, who was kind enough to join us today. Uh, it just an, an impromptu thing. And, and I really hope out of anything uh, that our audience has gleaned of this episode, that you listen to Melissa's words as a, as a heartbroken mother just trying to move past murder. For now, I'm Collier Landry. This is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> this podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.